Everybody to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Skin and Roll Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob. Christian is ducking me. He was slanderous after or last week, uh, talking about the middle of nowhere in Indiana, which it wasn't entirely lies, but he was slanderous and then ran away and ducked me. But credit to uh, my co-host today, Harrison, for at least uh, showing his face. After all the things he said uh, last week, I, I wish the people. This is, I wish the people had the video of this podcast so that they could see the way that you rolled your eyes as you were introducing <laughs> me. But no, I mean, I'm I'm glad that neither of you, you know, you two are having chemistry issues. You can't be in the same room. I'm happy to be the mediator and just kind of be here to egg both of you on and get a feud going between two of our podcast hosts. And yeah, you know, look, I, I, Jacob, I don't know if you know this, I went to journalism school. And the one thing that they teach you there is if you're going to write or you're going to say something about someone, you got to be willing to show up and look them in the eye. So I'm here, <laughs> I'm looking you in the eye, and I am making fun of Indiana to your face. Listen, it is a good thing that I apparently wrangled some cows up to get some internet so that I'm, I could I'm do... glad. Yeah, I don't, again, I'm still not clear on how you get Indiana internet out in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, hey, I'm glad that it works. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of uh, cows, a little bit of horses, some pigs involved. Uh, fortunately, they were able to come together and give me enough internet to... Well, I was going to say fortunately, I got to watch a Laker game today. Uh, it was fortunate for about three quarters. We're coming to you right after uh, they lose to the Nuggets on Sunday afternoon. 129 to 118, uh, pretty much the same formula this team has followed all season long of battling for three quarters and then running out of steam in the fourth. Um, the big thing I thought in this game was... Anthony Davis looked incredible for a guy that looked like he could barely walk. 28 points, 9 rebounds. His 8 assists were the most he's ever had as a Laker. And yeah, as I said, he kind of had that Euro step in the first quarter that clearly aggravated his uh, injury and did the rest of this while basically on one leg the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been he's been slinging the ball around like the last two games really really well like I don't know if it was just the time on the bench like if he just really focused on looking for okay where can I impact the game and where can I create some spacing and create some opportunities for guys but th this has maybe been the best two-game passing stretch of his career and it's uh, I know no one wants to hear that because the Lakers just lost both games but I'm you know we've talked about everything Christian and I just buried this team on a podcast entitled the Lakers are cooked last week so you can go and <laughs> listen to that if you want to listen to us like just completely blast the team Anthony and I did it a little bit more on the Rob Palinka pod you know like we are going to try and find some silver linings and AD coming back is notable I, I do want to push back though on what you said uh, I, I agree with everything that you said about his good game but I want to push back on you saying that this is the same pattern that they've followed all year because I've, I've seen a couple people say that and this really isn't this is a new trend where they they actually like have leads to blow in the fourth quarter <laughs> so at Fair. this rate you know they're going instead of you know just completely collapsing at halftime 
overtime, you know, by halftime or completely collapsing in the third quarter. Like they've made it all the way to the fourth before they completely fall apart. And I feel like that's progress that we should be giving them credit for. (laughs) Uh, And so by next season, they might be like in good enough shape and have like, you know, learned enough that, hey, you got to play the entire 48 minutes. And at that point, you know, I I think, you know, there's a good team in here. Juggernaut, some might even say. Um, Yeah. it's fair. There's a couple formulas that they follow. They kind of spin a wheel. They always the blow. Game. They always go to sleep at some point. It's just yeah. it's the fourth quarter is a new one. You know, normally it's been the second or third quarter when they've done it, or just it's like, like they, tip off. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like they spin a wheel and they may just not show up the whole game. They may not show up until like randomly in the third quarter where they do the fake run and make it a close game. Or they may show up at the beginning and then just run out of steam at the beginning. But the, yes, they the... have like a spinning dartboard wheel, like Perk does in that ESPN commercial, <laughs> and he just, they just like throw a dart, and it's like, all right, fourth quarter, another banger. Well, actually, this spinning wheel is just the first, second, third, and fourth quarter, and whichever the, the dart lands on, that's the quarter that they take off. So yes. uh, today, that's how they figure out their PTO. They got like a really organized <laughs> schedule. Today was uh, the fourth quarter uh, that ultimately, I mean, also... And last game. This has been the last two games. They've just gone to sleep in the fourth. Uh, Well, at least in this game, Nikola Jokic was incredible. Uh, Shockingly, the reigning MVP was really good. Um, 38 points, 18 rebounds, 6 assists. But yeah, going back to... Yeah, and he's going to get his, but just like... On that point, you know, I think to take it take it back to AD, I think that's where you started to see the physical limitations because obviously, like, AD was not going to shut down Jokic. Jokic was going to have a good game, but you saw him like taking Anthony Davis off the dribble at various points. Which, if Anthony Davis is physically right, like that's not how Jokic was going to beat him. It's going to be by like you know, like incredible moves, shot making, you know, slinging the ball around the floor, that kind of thing. Like it's not going to be by literally just like dribbling past Anthony Davis. That was where you started to see that his foot was sort of bothering him. I, I definitely noticed that a couple times in the third and fourth quarter. The only person that can shut down Jokic is Dwight Howard in the bubble. Yeah, 2020 Dwight Howard. He's coming for you, the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. Yeah. Uh, I, I somehow forgot about that. Until it was, I think you shared it pre. Yeah, I, 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 I think of that tweet every single time I see Dwight face off with Jokic because that is the funniest, worst, but slash best trash talk I've ever heard. <laughs> it was so corny and so Dwight in the bubble. For those of you that did not check my Twitter timeline, it's like during the 2020 bubble, Dwight, when he was checking in at one point, says like, like Batman's coming for you, the Joker, to Jokic when he was checking back in at the same time as him, and it's just like it's so quintessential Dwight it's so corny but yeah I mean 2020 Dwight is not the Dwight that the Lakers have anymore and so Jokic lit them up yeah Dwight did not look all that great in this one AD looked really good in that first quarter five of nine from the field 12 points a couple rebounds couple steals a block and an assist the basket that he he looked like he hurt his foot on that euro step was absurd they showed it on the broadcast that he covered like eight feet between his steps on his Euro step and one. But yeah, that was kind of a turning point because it he very clearly, after he did that, was favoring his leg. Uh, and then goes 6-16 six from the field the rest of the way for 16 points. Um, he did have seven rebounds and seven assists, so he was able to do things. But I kind of touched on it in the recap 
AD has this like reputation. He's obviously injured all the time and uh that one's probably that one's a, a fair reputation, but uh, this one was more New Orleans where that he just doesn't play through injury and that's the one that I don't think could be further from the truth at least in LA. He he's played through injuries in the bubble. Um he played through that foot injury throughout the finals and was incredible. He's done it a couple times throughout. Uh he tried to play in the playoffs against the Suns and just physically couldn't and tonight I thought was another example. He very clearly was hurt. I thought when he took his shoe off and went to the bench in that first quarter he was done and he gutted it out and I mean, the Lakers ultimately lose, but without him, this is a far uglier game. Yeah, and, you know, he does, like you said, he he does deserve credit for playing through this stuff. And, you know, the stuff that he hasn't played through are literally injuries that you cannot play through, as we saw with the groin thing and how he looked after it when he did try to play through that against the Suns. You know, this foot sprain, if it's limiting him this much right now, you know, clearly he wasn't going to be able to play through it the last two weeks or the last four weeks or whatever. Like, this idea that, you know, I agree with you, the last two years especially, the like, he picks up a lot of injuries, you know, whether they've been freak injuries or not, that is something that has happened. It's no longer just a narrative. Like, it is something that has happened. And maybe you think that, you know, he's going to avoid that stuff, get a little bit better luck moving forward. Totally fair. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what happens. But at the same time, yeah, like, when, when he has had these minor things, he does tend to play through them. And, yeah, does he sit on the ground for a while and give everyone a heart attack? Sure. Like, does he make a big thing of, like, taking off his shoe, going over to the bench, you know, getting worked on so that Lakers fans can freak out for, like, three quarters? for you know like 10 minutes or whatever sure and you know it always looks like it is not a career-ending injury but a season-ending injury with him even like falling to the floor and stuff he just he falls a lot and it's nerve-wracking to watch but most of the time he does get back up and he does try to play through it even in cases like this where he is clearly legitimately hurt you know with his like he was like limping down the floor at multiple times and then I I think there were a couple times where he did it as like a faint because he got like alley-oop dunks out of it he like limped (laughs) down the floor and the Nuggets stopped paying attention to him and then he like gets a lob dunk but or he just had like very limited kind of bursts in that foot and he really wanted to save the times he was going to push off it for whatever. And, you know, that's not an ideal way to play winning basketball, but credit to him for gutting it out. I I think, you know, yeah, I I don't really think, I don't feel like AD has anything to really prove at this point of his career. I think the idea that he, I, I mean, he does have things to prove like larger picture in terms of his overall narrative or legacy or whatever. But to me, like, I, I don't know that there's really anything that he can do this season to prove quote unquote anything to me, but he does deserve credit for playing through this. Vogel said post game uh, that Davis's foot gets more sore the longer he plays on it. That sounds so, like most injuries. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it would be weird if he was like, it gets less sore the more that he plays on it. Yeah. Especially with kind of the nature of his injury, it would make sense that it continues to hurt as he keeps playing. It kind of raises a question. Maybe this ties into to something else we are going to discuss. Is it even worth having AD continue to play? I know this is something that Anthony, I think, discussed, but Considering where the Lakers are and that he's very clearly hobbled, is it even worth continuing to put him out there? I I think that there is maybe, uh, you know, that, that's, that requires more information than I have on his injury and, like, his diagnosis. And I, I'm not a doctor, and I don't even attempt to play one on TV. But, like, to me, 
logically like if the Met Lakers medical staff has determined this probably is not going to lead to another injury, which I don't really know how they could determine that. But, you know, if they were to say, hey, if you're favoring this a little bit, it's probably not going to get worse. You can play on it for a couple more games. And maybe the Lakers get some sort of psychic benefit from fighting down the stretch and building habits and just being back out there. But, yeah, I'm sort of leaning more towards uh, where you were leading me, which is I I think it's probably about time to shut it down. You know, even if you do by some miracle, and we we won't know exactly where the Lakers are when we record this podcast because the Spurs still have yet to play as of when we're recording but the math is not on their side especially not after losing today their next game is against the Phoenix Suns they have to win two more games than the Spurs do already down the stretch over their final five so I mean and so let's say okay but a miracle they make the play-in game are they going to win in the playoff in game with Anthony Davis looking like this and with LeBron nursing like a sore left ankle you know it's kind of you got to know when to say die. And I get that LeBron's going to come back and he's going to play two more games to qualify for the scoring title and whatever. <laughs> and Hey, I, I don't, if, if, if he doesn't feel like he can re-injure himself worse doing that and the medical staff clears him, then, you know, that's totally their call. And if he wants to try and find some sort of positive in this season, I can't really blame him for that. But, uh, you know, with AD, the way that he looked today, you know, I just don't know if there's a lot, a huge point or at least playing him like big minutes. Like maybe you let him get, out there and you know you put some sort of minutes restriction on him or something so that he can't make it worse but yeah I I just to me I don't see a ton of point in really either of them continuing to play but I get why LeBron is most likely going to do it even after resting today I mean it's just if you're two games away you may as well try and lock that thing up and get some sort of plus from this season the 35 minutes AD played today feels like too many um, yeah considering the that he's just getting back, how injured he looked. The problem was that Winnie and Gabriel was getting absolutely manhandled by Boogie throughout yeah, the game. Yeah, I saw our, our I saw our mutual friends, the Kamenetsky brothers, say that Demarcus Cousins is using Wenyan Gabriel as the basketball equivalent of a bench press, and I was like, <laughs> this is so mean, but so accurate. Like he, yeah, that, that was that was just a workout. That was like, Demarcus Cousins might have as well have been working out against like a Nuggets assistant coach, like those guys do before the games, like with the pads or whatever. You know that that was the amount of resistance that poor Wenyan Gabriel was. Uh, able to uh you know provide against a center that big yeah him and Melo did not fare well against boogie or Jokic in this one um so to Nor a certain would you really expect them to but no, yeah certainly not to a to a certain extent you kind of had to have ad play but yeah 35 minutes feels entirely too much i i after watching today i just want ad to go into the offseason as healthy as he can be and again, as you kind of said, maybe he can't re-injure it. And if that's the case, then whatever he's comfortable doing, um, let him do it. But I just want AD to be able to head into an off season fully healthy, try to get into shape, get his body right. It sounded like that was the case coming into this year. It didn't look the case early in the season. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think he just put on more muscle than he was ready for. I mean, to be honest, you know, I think that was a case of that. And so I think now they know what body type he needs to play at and what is going to be optimal for him. And yeah, I would love to see him get a healthy offseason to not just to get in shape and those kind of things, but like to work on his game, you know, to like add things and, you know, have time in the gym where he's not rehabbing and he's working on skill work and stuff. 
Like, he's still, he's not young, but he's young enough that, like, we see guys add to their game still during this stage of their career, and there are plenty, of, like, the passing stuff, coming back and having this in his bag, you know, that that's a real basketball improvement, and there are little things that I think that he can work on over the summer. Get his free throw shooting right. Like, there's no re he used to be the Lakers' technical free throw shooter, and he's fallen apart there. You know, I think there are plenty of things that he can work on this summer from a skill perspective, and if he's healthy, that's going to be a lot easier for him to do. And yeah, if he's he, not motivated to do that this summer, it's just never going to happen, you know, after how this year has gone. Yeah, he's down to 70% as a free throw shooter this season. Get his jumper right in general. It's 19% yeah. from the three-point line. So, yeah, if if it were me, it was hard watching him and knowing all the money the Lakers have committed towards him. And this season feels like a lost one no matter how it ultimately ends uh whether it's in the regular season or in the playing game and i just would rather the lakers start fresh and start new uh this off season and heading into next year and um but ultimately we can talk about the playing game here first because well i, I, I actually just really quickly two more things on that i i just i sort of in the sense of him playing, yeah, I mean, you never want to see a guy overcompensate and sustain a worse injury, and there's no way that we can know if that's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, there's no point in, like, you know, to act like... To to be like as a, to be as an organization for them to act like oh well we're not going to give up until we're officially eliminated you guys gave up months ago you know yeah. like there's no there's no honor in this it's over you just throw in the towel take the L of not getting the play and get I know that maybe, maybe that's the real reason they won't like shut it down is like you know the, the genie is still holding out hope for you know like a miracle play in game run that gets them two games of uh, postseason revenue you know and that's why they can't shut it down or aren't able to but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's no benefit. Stop acting like you fought valiantly the whole season. You haven't, you know, AD, this is not an AD thing. This is like a, the team, the organization as a whole, uh, many players on the roster. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Stop acting like this is like a real chance and just admit, you know, you just take the L, go home, regroup, try to come back better next season. The front office gave up on this team at the deadline. Like, exactly, that's what I mean. Like, don't they're they're acting like, oh yeah, you, you know, if they if they're the ones being like, oh yeah, get out there, guys, and like let's try and like see this thing to the finish line. No, you already declared the finish line months ago. Yeah, yeah. But despite giving up on this season, the Lakers still it, it's pretty doom and gloom now. But improbably, they could still make the playing game. Uh, they after. Sunday's loss for the Lakers before the Spurs play the Lakers are a game and a half back of San Antonio for the 10 spot uh the Spurs are going to play Portland uh the Spurs are going to be down a couple of their players DeJounte Murray and Jakob Pertl Portland is like actively trying to lose every game possible the rest of the way and I would still imagine that San Antonio would win but it's going to be close worst case scenario the Lakers are um, two games back with four games to go. Does this, I mean, it still doesn't feel possible, but San Antonio won't stop losing. 
Well, no, I mean, San Antonio has stopped losing. You know, they they won four games in a row last week. You know, yeah, I mean, DeJounte Murray and Pirtle being out is obviously big against the Blazers, but the Spurs probably feel like they can rest those guys when they're playing against the Blazers because you could you could have a compelling game of 2K auto-generated name or actual rostered Blazers player, and I'm not sure that I would be able to get more than, you know, like half of them correct because it's like the Blazers are, the Blazers famously, I think, don't own their own G League team, if I'm remembering that correctly. So they have decided to field one at midseason <laughs> uh, as they as they attempt to increase their lottery odds. And, you know, look, that's no disrespect to the G League, whatever. Like this, the Blazers, they shut Josh Hart down because he was playing too well. You know, it's just... Yeah, they're they're clearly trying to lose, and I would be. You know, this is going to be a funny rant if the Spurs end up actually losing today. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't see it, and I also just don't see the upside in the plan to where I can get myself to care a lot about it. If they make it great, that but I don't think that the organization should be like playing Anthony Davis and LeBron James on two collective legs between them, <laughs> you know, to try and chase this playing spot in a game that they're going to lose anyway. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize. I look. I have the Spurs schedule pulled up. I remember the loss against the Grizzlies, and I guess the narrow win against the Rockets. I thought it was a little more back and forth than that. Yeah, yeah no, they, the Spurs have been good. They they've been yeah. legit good. That's why they're back in this thing. I, that's why a couple a, a month ago, Anthony keeps retweeting the clip of me laughing at the possibility of the Lakers falling out of the plan. But it was laughable at that point. The Spurs turned into a juggernaut randomly. Yeah, and so yeah, they are. They deserve to be in the playing game in this Lakers team. Yeah, they won four games in a row. The Lakers haven't won two games in a row since January. <laughs> and I don't, as you said, I don't even see, like, I don't want to make the playoffs because if we do, we're going to play the Suns and then just get hammered by them four times. The Suns that's... Could sw- this Suns team right now could sweep the Lakers if Jay Crowder just salsa danced the entire game and they played <laughs> four on five. Yeah, and that's even assuming that they beat the Pelicans, which they have not done this year, and then beat the Clippers or Timberwolves. Uh, the Timberwolves have trash-talked them off the court, and I think the Clippers have won every game against them as well. So it would be the most improbable of uh, play-in game wins to even Hashtag get... we believe. Yeah, to even get to the point to have the honor of being swept by the Phoenix Suns as... They trash talk the Lakers off the court as well. Campaign might jump in Lakers Twitter spaces from the bench at that point. You know, it's just like nobody <laughs> nobody needs that series. I'm sorry. It's just this is not your year. You know, and, and then speaking of going into the offseason healthy, like, do you really want to bet on LeBron and AD making it out of a series against Jay Crowder healthy? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. Not at yeah, all. I'm just saying, like, at this point, with the visible injuries that they have that have been listed on the injury report from I'm just saying I would not be shocked if like a foot found its way in there, you know, underneath them at some point, you know, it's just, yeah, this is it's kind of bigger picture as well. Um it, it was a debate that we had on Twitter last week, but um, I don't want this team to make the playing game either because I think it it well it because it looks like Not I don't just want there because to... you don't want to watch them anymore. Like there are no, other reasons, no. yeah. Be, because I mean, the number one reason is I don't want to watch them anymore. The number two <laughs> reason is I don't want there to be any like belief that like oh if we were healthy we could have yeah. done this and like. If you make the playing game and you win a game or you come close, then you can like convince yourself that like 
Or I could see the front office convincing themselves like, oh, well, if we'd just been healthy, we'd oh, been well, fine. Russ, you know, Russ turned it on the last month and a half, yeah. which, again, he does deserve credit for. He's actually been legitimately a lot better for the last yeah. mo- month and a half, couple weeks, whatever. Like, you know, he's obviously he's not been perfect. He's had bad games here and there. He was not great against the Pelicans. But, uh, like, overall, he has had a pretty decent month. And, yeah, you can see them like, oh, you know, Russ got it going. They started to figure out how to play together. Gotta gotta run this back. Get the band back together. Doc Rivers, new coach, gonna fix everything. Uh, I didn't even entertain that thought until somebody mentioned it the other day. It does but... feel like the most Lakers thing they could do. Our our best chance is just to keep bringing up that he's like friends with Paul Pierce and you know like all this stuff. Yeah, you know, like be like, uh, oh, he he was a Clipper and a Celtic. Like I don't know. That's what I was gonna I say. You could not handpick someone. That would be more hated by Lakers fans than a former yeah, does, Celtics. Does he really former... know what it means to be a Laker? That's that's <laughs> all I'm saying. Like we need we need Kurt Rambis to speak up on this one. But yeah, it it looks more like a. I mean, it is an embarrassment and a failure if you just miss the playing game entirely. And and they should I, be embarrassed. Everyone yeah. involved should be embarrassed of this season. And yeah, I, I, so I'm with you in that respect. Like they don't deserve to make the playing game. Yeah, and as we said, the Spurs and Pelicans have been winning and. Honestly, would have a more exciting game than whatever the Lakers would uh, be able to even put out there by the time the playing game comes around. We're going to talk. The other big takeaway from uh, Sunday's game is that Austin Reeves has not played for the last two games, and uh, Twitter is predictably upset about it. We're going to look at maybe why he hasn't been playing right after this break. So on Sunday, Austin Reeves, another DNP CD after him and Taylor Horton Tucker both were DNP CDs on Friday against the Pelicans. It's a little surprising considering uh, how important and how good Austin Reeves was um, earlier in the season, but it's not, if you look at the stats over the last dozen games or so, it really isn't all that surprising because Austin Reeves has really been struggling of late. Yeah, so over the last 16 games, he's been in a, in a pretty brutal shooting slump. And, like, 16 games, that's not nothing. You know, sometimes people use these, like, two- or three-game sample sizes, and it's like, oh, he's shooting 66% over the last five games. It's like, yeah, he's went, you know, like, uh, I don't know what 66% would be. He's went, like, three of nine or something. Yeah, or six of nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not good at math, uh, but Austin Reeves over the last 16 games has shot 29.6% from three. And, it, you know, it's just been, it, it, he's had, he's been attacked defensively a little bit. It doesn't always work, but it has started to work more as teams realize that if you attack him with stronger guys, there is a real strength deficit there. And he's not going to be able to kind of, uh, he's not always going to be able to use his length in his arms and his quick hands to kind of make up for that. Nor, nor should he be expected to as an undrafted rookie there you know for as much of a plus minus god and a nice undiscovered you know surprise unexpected surprise as he has been this season he, he hasn't been good in a while and so I don't agree with Frank's decision to bench him just because like Avery Bradley is probably not going to be in the NBA next year so I don't really know why the Lakers are rolling with him and you know you might as well like if if they had any coherent organizational philosophy, then they would be playing Austin Reeves right now to play him through it and get him some reps and stuff down the stretch of the season, see if they can maybe get the ball in his hands more, get him comfortable. You know, same thing with Taylor. Like, eh, but that would require 
a coach who does not know that they're being fired and is just kind of looking to, you know, win as many games as possible. So this season looks less bad on their resume. Uh, and coaches are always going to trust the veteran over the rookie or the young player. That's like just always. That's always how it's going to be in the NBA. And so like we've seen this with even good teams have had to like trade away veterans at times just to like, you know, coach proof their rosters almost like it took it took Avery Bradley opting out of the bubble for Alex Caruso to finally get Frank Vogel's full trust. And, you know, we were having the depressing debate in Slack the other day that <laughs> like would the Lakers have won the title if Avery Bradley showed up to the bubble? And, you know, I've thought about this like a depressing amount over the last couple. <laughs> like that's the real asterisk on the on that ring like that. The, not that it was played in Disney World, not the pandemic. It's that they like Frank Vogel was not allowed to play Avery Bradley because he was not there. Um, and you know, he, he got some love on national TV for, for, uh, he had bone Thailand and Rikers, I think was the call from Mark Jones at one point, which I, I laughed so hard at that. Yeah. When said that. I was like, oh man, this is, uh, I'm, I'm going to get some Avery Bradley stands in my mentions after this one. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, look, he's a showy defender. He has some impressive possessions at times and Austin Reeves has been bad. Coaches are always going to trust their guys. So I get it. And I don't think that it's even like entirely indefensible given and how poorly Austin Reeves has shot and that Avery I think has shot pretty decently the last two games being back in the rotation I don't have his numbers in front of me so I don't know if you can like pull that up really quick but he you know I feel like he's made a couple big shots his mid-range shot has been sort of on the last two games and you know just eye test and so you know, I, I get it from Frank. I don't really agree because, again, I think that the Lakers should be prioritizing the guys who may be around next year. If you're going to go on this run and try and get, like, a psychic benefit from it, maybe don't bench, you know, several of the guys who are probably maybe going to be here next year for guys that are most likely going to be fired into the sun upon, you know, the <laughs> la after the last game. Uh, but, yeah, you know, look. Anytime you could play Trevor Ariza over Austin Reeves after DNPing him for like 15 games, you got to do it. Avery Bradley. That's the other thing too. It's like, it's not just Avery Bradley playing over. Like it's legitimately like bad players playing yeah. over him at times. And that, that was the more frustrating thing in new Orleans today without LeBron, you know, whatever. Avery Bradley, the last two games, is 8 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. Yeah, and so, like, you know, of course Frank didn't bench him after the New Orleans game if that's how he was <laughs> shooting. You know, like, I, I, I get it. With Austin in a slump, I get it. To me, the indefensible part is not necessarily benching Austin. It's, as you said, the guys that he's playing over him. Uh, whether it's Ariza. I mean, Bradley, the last two games, has been whatever. I was fine with him. Not being in the rotation. Brad, Frank's just trying to help AB get a contract next year. I just realized what's going on here. I just figured it out. <laughs> well, somebody in my mention said that. He's uh, like, Avery, you got to get out there because that way my next team can sign you. Like, you well, know, let's, that's, let's get that's you That's more or less what he said is that he was trying not to burn any bridges with the veterans for whatever his next job is going to be so that they come and uh, play for him, whether it's Avery Bradley or whoever it is, uh, so that veterans come play for him next year. But um yeah Avery Bradley to the Clippers confirmed <laughs> please um it's 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 less about Austin Reeves has been pretty poor it's just that you're the guys you're playing over him are been really bad all season long uh after the game Vogel said on not playing Austin Reeves quote a little bit of everything Austin has played well for us this year when we're losing as much as we're losing we've got to try different things 
that kind of brings up a, a larger complaint I've had with Vogel and that this was lineup, what, 38, 39 this year? 39. It was 39. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might be trying a little too much different things. Um, but yeah, I, I can. It's like, it's like, uh, he's like playing some sort of, like, he's playing, it's like when you're in a video game and you're playing like one of the mini games, he's trying to find new combinations just to insert them <laughs> and figure it out. Like, it's like a Rubik's Cube. He's like, oh, I got it. One more twist and then we got it. You know, it's like the puzzle pieces, the lock into place. He thinks one of these lineups is going to be a cheat code that, Unlocks, yeah, it's like unlimited points or something. Um, or maybe he's just throwing darts at the board. You know, he's just like, all right, get Austin off the board. All right, let's throw Avery Bradley. It's it's if you'd have handed me this roster at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure I could have told you 39 combinations for starting lineups and or really lineups off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm not sure that I could have come up with 39. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that. We still could have up to four more uh, with the and, rest and of the season. At this rate, probably will. <laughs> yeah, they lost, so they lost their last two games. So Yeah, they lost, uh, so you know somebody has to be benched. That's the NBA rule. When you lose, you have to change your starting lineup for the next game. But circling back to Reeves, uh, over the last... Except for 15... DeAndre Jordan. He gets 16 yeah. games to prove himself, you know? Yeah, that's the frustrating <laughs> part is it took them however long to take DeAndre out. And now Vogel will just do different lineups every game down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, over the last 15 games, Reeves uh, has a minus 10.5 net rating. Only Dwight and Carmelo have lower net ratings for the Lakers in that span. If you just shorten it to the last 12 games, uh, Reeves is the worst. He's at minus 18. Yeah. And so see, that's exactly sort of what I'm talking about. Like, that's why it's defensible to me. Like he has not played well. And, you know, sometimes the best learning experience can be, you know, not to sound like Byron Scott here, but like <laughs> it can be getting more familiar with the bench and maybe he's just tired. You know, even, even Frank, yeah. I think theorized that maybe he's just kind of hit a little bit of a rookie wall. He's never played this many games in his life, much less like this many games with such high minutes, you know, he, he just may not have legs. So it, I know that it's fashionable to ding Frank and to criticize him, and I, I did it in my my recap was like LeBron James, Anthony Davis cannot overcome bad lineups in loss to Pelicans. Like I have criticized Frank Vogel for this, I can't bring myself to get that worked up about it. Yeah, shockingly, despite uh, how bad Reeves has been over the last dozen fifteen games, do you want to guess where he ranks over the course of the whole season in net rating? third no first <laughs> only uh strong oh, start i'm yeah uh reeves is first at 1.3 winion gabriel is second malik monk is third no other laker has a positive net rating not even lebron minus 2.5 wow that's him like and usually AD. lebron is still a positive even in seasons like this he's still like a massive positive and it's like his team's you know completely crap the bed when he's out but yeah i mean this team has been so bad around him that i guess it's not really that surprising him and ad are both minus 2.5 uh on the season ad i'm not surprised by just because usually like you know he, he would play without lebron and so that would be these lineups where like half the time he's the point guard and it's just like you're trying to survive um so yeah i you know ad i usually don't expect to be that positive like lebron gets to play with like the super you know lebron at the five lineups that just you know score like crazy for three minutes i figured he would still be a positive 
yeah, he the Lakers are only marginally worse with him off the court, which shows just how bad this lineup has been or this roster has been that um they haven't been able to overcome that. But still, there's six points per 100 possessions worse offensively. So yeah, he's just been like a flamethrower offensively, and whenever he leaves, the Lakers have no idea how to score. Yeah, or defend. They they still can't figure yeah. out how to defend. Like he's not the problem there. I think we uh, we figured out. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's why I can't get yeah that mad about the Reeves thing. Last thing for today, as we record this, the new episode of Winning Time hasn't come out um, on HBO, but I have seen it. We have our uh, preview going or our uh, explainer, excuse me, going up on Monday. Uh, hopefully, as you guys are listening to this. Couple interesting, but obviously possible spoiler alert. So if you yeah. are listening to this before you have watched Winning Time, then stop here. This is the end of the podcast for you because Jacob is about to spoil. I mean, I don't know how you can. It's it's real life, but you know <laughs> you're about to you're about to spoil a real ish life uh, based on how this show has gone. But yeah, yeah, I, I it's all it's been weird writing spoiler alert in these posts because. I am technically spoiling things that would happen later in this season, but it happened 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so, like, if you that, that, that was the funny – I don't know if you read that. Like, I think it was Hollywood Reporter had the big, long, like, feature on uh, yeah. this show and the making of it. And Sally Field is like, my sons have never asked me for spoilers from a project I've been in, but on this one they want to – it's like, Sally, there's a book. You can hand Look it to up. them. They, <laughs> yeah. It's all out there. They they don't need – you know, it's it's real life. Like, this stuff happened. You were probably there for it, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, I immediately was looking at Wikipedia after the opening episode. So, like, everything already exists. But – yeah. Uh, and and the, it's based on a very good book. Even if you don't like the show, I can promise you that you will like every Lakers fan will like the book Showtime by Jeff Perlman. It's one of the best books, that, sports books I've ever read. It's really good. Yeah, and it's incredible. <laughs> like, I'm surprised nobody made a a TV series about this Showtime Lakers team before now, because just like the the built in drama, like the drama that actually happened, there was. I still can't get over that there was an actual murder like that closely, like semi connected to the Lakers. With um, although not really connected, that actually leads me to my first yeah. question for you today. Did did they follow up on the like Jerry Buss is going to get killed by the mob plotline like where they're <laughs> targeting him like some kind of jigsaw esque killer or did they just like let that drive they're just like nah we put this on the note for some reason but then are just never going to follow up on it no they're never going to follow up on it yeah I, okay awesome. I guess the the implied warning was uh don't get any closer to Jerry Tarkanian or who we the will mob kill wants you. in Las Vegas for some reason I don't. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That part was a little, a uh, little stretched. Because that's uh, not really why he was killed. But you already got into that in the post and on the pod. So anyway, yeah. Speaking of Lakers coaches, though, this episode ends with a bike wreck that absolutely does not feel like it could be real, but it really happened. Uh, Down to pretty much how it happened and like the details of you know the sliding along the pavement. You know, was uncomfortable to watch, honestly. Yeah, very much so. And when they did the close-up, I'm like, I don't really want to see this. It was but... like so realistic that it was a little uncanny. I I've seen just this scene. Yeah, and as you said, this was almost exactly how it played out in the, um, in the in real life. Like he was biking through his neighborhood to go play tennis. 
with Paul Westhead, and he has a brake failure uh, of some sort. I don't know if it was exactly the brakes popping off as it did in the uh, series, but he has some sort of brake failure where he hits the brakes, they lock up, and he flies over the top of the um, handlebars and goes sliding across the pavement exactly... Like, all that is exactly what happened, which is just... That is the police report from, like, the one witness who saw it happen. You know, that the, the, the way the scene plays out is pretty much exactly what the only eyewitness described. And it's just an absolutely wild story. Like, admittedly, when I started this series, I didn't know who Jack McKinney was. I had never heard of him, as I'm sure a lot of Laker fans hadn't either. Uh, the fact that he was basically the creator of the Showtime Lakers uh, is wild. But the fact that this is the eventual end, the beginning of the end of his coaching career for the Lakers is even more absurd. Like I can't even fathom. Like, could you imagine if this situation happened now, like with, with social media and with, with everything going on, how bizarre this situation would be. I mean, it's still bizarre then, like that it, yeah. ha- you know, it's just crazy that the, you just don't see stuff like this where someone, you know, like the, where like a coach is just like basically sidelined for an entire year by a completely like non-basketball injury, like a, just a freak accident that happened. And it's because like stuff like this is one in a million just in general, like, you know, bike don't often just have their locks fail randomly while you're riding i or at least i assume there's not like an epidemic of this that we just don't know about uh like this is something that is rare and for it to happen to someone this high profile like coaching the lakers or i guess you know as the show makes it clear that was not as high profile of a job at the time uh because the nba is was not then what it is now uh but still yeah it's it's wild to think that you know that a team just basically had like this interim coach who then was so successful that you know spoiler alert he ends up staying on for quite some time uh and like that they didn't really skip a beat despite the level of nba inexperience that was going on and like that's how talented they were and that's how ahead of its time the offensive system and the ideas that jack mckinney espoused were yeah and it and it's sad. It's, it honestly makes it sad that, like, he didn't get to stay and see it play out because it's like, I, I think even Pat Riley has a quote somewhere where, like, he says that, like, he would not, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily know who he was were it not for Jack McKinney. Yeah, 100%. This, the Lakers aren't the Showtime dynasty that they were in the 80s without Jack McKinney. They might have been a dynasty, but it it might, it wouldn't have been the Showtime. Like, he was very forward thinking in his kind of offensive philosophy. And just the fact that this is how his time with the Lakers came to end is wild. And it's wild that again, I didn't know that this happened before watching this episode. Well, actually after the, after they introduced Jack McKinney, I got curious and wondered who the hell that was and started (laughs) reading Wikipedia and was shocked by, by uh, the bike accident. So Seeing it play out, reading all about it, this was very uh this was very accurate. There was no dramatizing that needed to be done with this and um, Yeah, there was no no- note on the on the bike chain that was like to Dr. Jerry Bus, you know. <laughs> the mafia did not uh Although sabotage. maybe you know, considering how wild this show has gotten with some of the facts or whatever, maybe this is just gonna be like an overarching plot line. Like the mafia is gonna come out in the next episode <laughs> and claim credit for this and they're just like, no, we don't want the Lakers to have a coach. 
yeah. Uh, at least at the end of this episode, there's no mafia tie-in. Uh, okay. I have, yeah, I guess we'll I find watched... out. Ne- find, we'll find out next week on yeah. uh, if if the mafia was responsible for this in the sh- in the in the winning time verse. Yeah, and so it, it's just wild. McKinney doesn't remember the incident. He doesn't really remember the next couple of weeks. He was in a in and out of coma uh, throughout that time, and by the time he got healthy and kind of able to return, as you said, the Lakers were flying high later in that season. Doctor Bus said, "We're not going to bring you back. We'll make a decision at the end of the year." And by the end of the year, the Lakers won a title. So, um, just a wild, absolutely wild story. And that this and a sad one, like because he, yeah, he's very. just you know, this is documented. He's never quite the same again. Yeah, and he's not associated with this dynasty as even Paul Westhead is. And obviously, he only lasted a, a short time as Lakers coach, but he's not even as associated with it as he is. So really sad story. And this is kind of the turning point or the, the, the moment that all this kind of changes both for his life, like personally and professionally. So it was a wild scene um, that has long lasting implications and kind of ripple effects um, after that, both or in in like the the Lakers universe and the NBA universe, or who knows if there's a Pat Riley if this doesn't happen and, yeah. and things of that nature. So, really wild um, seeing the. We, we'd probably on. be talking about him as like one of these great coaches. You know, he'd be up there in the pantheon, arguably. Like, had this not happened, based on just like how successful they were using his ideas. Yeah, and right out of the gate too. So, absolutely wild. The other fun little Easter egg. It wasn't even really Easter egg because, as we discussed beforehand, uh, there's nothing subtle about uh, what Adam McKay does in his uh, in his works. But in Magic like Johnson, if Adam McKay made a, like an MCU movie, you know, when the villain walked out, there would be like a giant graphic that like popped onto the screen with some music, <laughs> and it's like this is the bad guy, like. With- with just really like loud evil music playing in the background and what yeah and then like the camera would jerk around to like random objects in the room for like three seconds and just never be still you know yeah the debut of magic johnson i did not know this until i watched the episode and looked it up magic johnson's debut featured a uh journeyman i guess uh nba NBA player journeyman yeah joe jellybean bryant uh, which um, the show points out and then uh, cuts to the scene or cuts to the crowd where they mention his new son, Kobe. And Joe actually did appear in Magic's debut game. He played 32 minutes off the bench and Kobe could have been in attendance. He was just over a year old at the time, uh, which kind of appears to roughly be the age of the child in the show. I don't, know if he was in attendance i feel yeah, like we we're not able to figure this out correct yeah and i feel like but it's plausible yeah it was w- it a home it's... game was it was it like were they in, in los it was, angeles it was against the san diego clippers and it was in san diego okay um, so then i it is plausible that he was there you know that like his family would have come his wife i mean bring a newborn to a basketball game i mean i don't know but maybe it might've, i don't it was it was probably different in 79 probably a little bit quieter of a of a atmosphere but like the crowd can drown out the baby's crying (laughs) yeah exactly uh so i 
we couldn't find whether this actually happened. Entirely plausible or possible. Oh, words are hard. Plausible. Um, but it's also not something that's been mentioned. And I feel like it's like Kobe's superhero origin story. He was like hit <laughs> yeah. with a stray Magic Johnson pass and vowed to get revenge on the basketball world. You know, it uh, it feels like a story that would have been told if it had happened at this point, because that would have been a a wild, awesome coincidence. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if anybody's explicitly asked. I mean, Kobe uh, has talked about growing up watching like Magic Johnson VHS tapes and things like that. And, you know, but yeah, we don't know if he was in the and, you know, obviously, if he was that age, he wouldn't know if he was in the building no. unless his parents told him. I was going to say this is something you would have to explicitly ask his mom or dad. Yeah. Uh, whether they were in attendance for that. But I, it, it was a really cool. Yeah, you told me about this, and I'm like, there's no way that that's real. Like, that he would, and then we we looked it up, and it's like, yeah, actually, you know. Yeah, he was just over a year old, I believe, at the time. So, yeah, it would have been, he could have been there, and that's, that's a, that was a really cool little thing that they threw in, uh, for Magic's debut game. But a, another fun episode, I, I've really enjoyed, uh, this series so far. Um, it's a lot more fun covering winning time than it is losing time right now um and fortunately we hopefully christian will it looks stop like winning time me. is going to extend past losing time you know yeah, with the say, way that the lakers are going in the plan fortunately losing time should be over in the next week and winning time still has another half a season basically left um uh, when we next talk to you guys hopefully with christian that'll be after It'll be uh, me and Christian, obviously. Yeah. You'll, you'll, something will happen to you. <laughs> It'll be the regular season finale. They play four times between now and next Sunday at Phoenix, at Golden State, uh, versus Oklahoma City at home, and then at Denver to close it out. So we'll know the play-in fate. We'll know how things are uh, going to happen, certainly by you next th- Sunday. You think by then we'll know? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that we don't know now <laughs> is annoying, but... Uh, we'll know by then, and it's either going to be a uh, bittersweet preview of the playing game, or I guess the beginning of uh, recapping and figuring out what went wrong with this season. But Christian and I will be back next week to talk to you guys. Knock on wood if he stops ducking me. It's something about a oh my girlfriend's birthday or something. I don't know this weekend. So uh, big thanks to. Uh, I mean, to be honest, on. that doesn't seem that important. You know, if if he really no. was prioritizing this, like he would have married her by now. So, he, you know, he's he's running from the grind. It's OK. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for coming on and face face to face with me and uh, acknowledging the accusations you laid against Indiana. Again, not all entirely untrue, but <laughs> I I have a window right here and there are no cows uh providing me internet right now so i can tell you that is not how we get internet in the midwest well i you know we all learned something today (laughs) there you guys go so thanks again guys for listening you can subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts and we'll be back next week